another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? I am doing very well, Jody. How about yourself? I'm doing healthy, wealthy, and wise, or at least some Ooh. portion of that. <laughs> All three. That, that's like the trifecta. That's awesome. It's good to be Jody Whitesides. For the next five minutes, anyway. Oh, uh, hopefully for a little <laughs> bit longer than that. Yes. Yeah. No, how's your week been? Everything been okay? Aside from a minor hiccup with a tech issue that has been rearing its ugly head for a month now, everything's good. Good. Glad to hear it. So you're having a little problem with some gear there, it sounds like. Mm, server stuff, but not gear. Server stuff. Yeah, different. It's, yeah. it's computer-related, but not studio-related. Good, 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 good. Because today we're going to do a little bit of a discussion thing here, talking about gear. Yes. And I'm going to pose the question to you first. Uh-oh. Can you have too much gear? The simple short answer is yes, you can. Now let's go home. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> let's explain what we're talking about this. We all love gear. You love gear. I love gear. We like getting gear. What we're kind of talking about here is some of the pitfalls that we can possibly fall into. And I think it's important to kind of keep in mind here when we're acquiring new stuff and why we're doing it. So maybe... You would start us off by perhaps defining what you think we should have when it comes to gear. Like, is there a limitation? Is there is there such a thing as too much stuff? What do you think? It would depend upon your needs. That's what yeah. I would start off by saying. Somebody like, say, Steve Albini. He's got a mm -hmm. giant closet full of stuff. Yep. Somebody like Butch Walker, closet full of stuff. Eric yeah. Valentine, closets full of stuff. I mean, there are guys that have closets full of stuff because they just collect things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they're also very well versed in when do I use a particular piece of gear? Whereas other people who are maybe not so versed in what they're doing will have too much gear and they'll use it, all of it, all the time. That's a problem. Yeah. In yeah I think mind. an important thing. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think the important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about the guys that you mentioned there, mm -hmm. they have not only been doing this for a reasonable amount of time. Decades. But they're also, all this gear that they've acquired helps them do the task at hand that they need to do. And they know when to, okay, well, I'm going to bring out this mic or I'm going to use this pre or I'm going to use this compressor in varying situations where I think for somebody that is not just new to engineering or mixing or recording, but even somebody that has been doing it for you know, a little while, it is easy to get into the mindset of thinking that we need to have vast amounts of gear in order to do our job properly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important distinction. It's always a good thing to have different flavors of different microphones, that type of thing. Sure, for choice. Yeah, choices. But it can get in the way and we can have this sort of 
magical thinking that, well, if I only had this microphone, everything would be better. Or if I only had this compressor, or if I had this piece of software, blah, 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 mm-hmm. that would solve all my issues when the reality might be that we just need to know the gear that we have and use it to its fullest capacity. And that's something I know that we have touched on in the past, but yes, I, I think those are reasonable things to consider. Right. So how often do you get a new piece of gear? Way more often than I need it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to fall on my sword. I am much better with it these days. Now, I've, you I've been doing this You just fell on your for sword me. like this past week even. Yeah. S- stay tuned to the end of the episode and I'll tell you all about it. Right. But no, I, I mean, I have amassed enough stuff that for me at this point, at the level that I'm at, I can do my job reasonably well. I'm always trying to get better and stuff, but I also know that at this point, if I'm upgrading a piece of gear, it's because of a reason. Mm-hmm. Recently, or still feels recently, but I recently updated my machine, right, my computer. Yes, you did. And that was a great time to sort of take stock of, in my case here, a lot of software that I'm no longer using. You know, that's not, I'm not going to migrate that. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps it lean and mean, so to speak. How much would you I, say I, you cut out? What is the percentage? That's a good question. But there was probably, I don't know, maybe 25% Ooh. of things that I no longer need. You know, whether that was sample instruments, a bunch of plugins that you download over the year and try out. And yeah, I like it at the time, but then it just ends up sitting in your plugin folder. Sure. You know, it's a little bit kind of like going through your closet, you know, it's like, I never wear this shirt anymore. Get rid of it. Give it to somebody that might <laughs> be able to use it. Um, it's sort of like just, you know, I, I think for me anyway, I'm at, I'm at a point now where I'm a big fan of keeping as little gear as I can. Uh-huh. And I think it just keeps me focused and using the gear that I have to its fullest capacity, hopefully. And as you're saying this, I can see an auto harp sitting against the wall in the background. Indeed. <laughs> How often do you use that unit? Every production I ever do. Ooh. No, in all seriousness, that, that auto harp has been sitting there and it's really old and it's really dirty. And there's a reason why I haven't cleaned it up yet because I want to sample it and to have it for sort of like horror top cues because it sounds really, really freaky. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But what about you? Do, do you find that your gear arsenal grows exponentially or your plug-in folder grows exponentially even when there isn't a need for it? Sometimes. I wouldn't say it's often. It used yeah. to be more often than it is now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Especially with plugins. And yeah. As Apple is making this transition to their M chip series mm. and they're going to get away from the Intel stuff, I have been making a spreadsheet of all of the plugins that I do have so that I can mark off who has updated their stuff to be able to work with the latest OS. You and are such a nerd. <laughs> I am such a nerd. But it's kind of going through the same thing you just talking about where you went and nixed out 25% of, of stuff. And I'm looking at it from a standpoint of like, can I go to the latest OS yet? The yeah. answer to that is, is that no, there's still like two or three holdouts that have no given information whatsoever about whether or not they're going to the new OS. 
And it's like they're about to announce the next OS, like in this month. Yeah, that, that can get really frustrating. <laughs> I'm guessing they're about to announce it. Maybe I'm wrong. However, there are a few plugins where I'm worried about the fact that they're no longer made. And of plugins course, that you use frequently, then not frequently, but ones that I would like to use going forward in the future that will probably not be possible. Yeah, and that's sad, which is unfortunate. And that is probably going to cull the system when I actually do upgrade by about five percent. It's not a lot, but it's it's probably about five percent. Good thing I stem or multi-track out my productions. So that yeah. when I go to open old things, I will at least have the original sound exported, not necessarily able to replay certain things if it comes towards virtual instruments or not. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually went through that on a, quite a few projects myself when I just migrated. And I go, oh, I thought I had bounced that, but turn out I hadn't. So yeah, there's I a lot that Boot I into have. an old system and, and take care of that. But yeah, that is a pain. When you get a new piece of gear now, yes. what's your mindset? What makes you flash the credit card and purchase any new equipment? It has for? to solve a problem. Whatever that yeah. problem might be, it has to solve a current problem, generally speaking. Now, if it solves a current problem, but I don't see it using any further past the current problem, then I'm going to hope that wherever I get it from is going to have a nice return policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and I hate to say that, but that's just one of those things that tends to happen from time to time. And I only pick that up from being with a, not being yeah, with- Yeah, no but, names uh, here, but I know who you're talking yes, about. Yeah. A, yeah. a famous musician who did this ad nauseum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd go and pick up something from a, a big box store, use it, and either- return a broken version of it in the new box or <laughs> sent them, took the uh, new thing back when he didn't need it after he used it. And it's kind yeah, of Don't like, recommend doing that. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's kind of bad a, juju right there. That's yeah. just what I would call like a dick move. That's just yeah. a dick move. And I know people right. do it, but it's, it's just bad. Don't do it. However, I'd also have to look at it from the standpoint of if it's going to be useful and it's a nice tool, it's not a toy. And whenever yeah. you're paying for something that's not a toy, well, now the tool is going to be something that is useful down the road. Whether I'm using it daily or not, that's an entirely different story. But if I see the potential to be using it more than once after whatever the current problem is, then yeah, I'll pick it up. No, I agree. It has to fill a couple of boxes for me too, where it's just like you said, it has to have a use. It's either going to add something to a palette that I feel like I'm missing. Mm -hmm sonically or whatever it is, or it's going to drastically upgrade something that I already own. Yes. Right? So, so it's going to be an improvement or like you said, even the, the filling in need, right? I had a weakness a few years ago and I think I've talked about it, but I'll talk about it again because it <laughs> makes me feel better. <laughs> Get where, it all out. Here's your therapy Where session. I started writing more orchestral stuff right. or at least hybrid type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I bought several orchestral software instruments and different orchestral libraries and things. And at this point, I hardly use them. Mostly because I currently I'm not re 
really writing that kind of stuff. But it would also one of those things that you just kind of you have to collect them. It's like, oh, I gotta have this one, or I gotta have that one, or I gotta have this one, without really worrying about my orchestration skills, you know, <laughs> and, and, and kind of working on that instead. So I think that's a world that if you're in that twenty four seven, that's something that you might have to do, right? Because the sample techniques and playing techniques are always going to be better with, with newer sampler instruments. But so consider true. what it is that the level that you're doing it at. And if that's the breaking point, it might not be that you don't have the latest Spitfire audio library. It might just be that you can't program for strings worth of shit. You know? <laughs> so, well, if it's not Spitfire, then it's VSL's fault, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's not my fault if I only had a better sample library. That's right. Now, of course, the, all these tools need to be up to a certain level to, to sound good. Like, you're not going to use, you know. Well, that's relative, too, when you say sound good. Some things are happening for the vibe that they're imparting on whatever it is that you're creating. Like, say, there's orchestral music to an extent in the soundtrack of Go Vacation. Mm-hmm. However, it is not VSL quality, but it's yeah. a video game. So does anybody really care that a video game doesn't have like an actual orchestral reality vibe to it? No, it's fun. It's meant to be what it is and it's not VSL quality. So it's relative to what you're doing. Now, if you're doing some gigantic trailer for say Jurassic World 35, well, yeah, you probably need a combination of an actual orchestra and VSL. Yeah, top-notch sample library, whatever. Yeah, so it needs to be up to the par of what it is that you're doing. We can fool ourselves and think, no, I can do the same thing with this thing that came with whatever piece of gear, right? Superior but, Drummer 3? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that just another distraction, or is, is it actually worth that upgrade? That was a big upgrade, and it added a lot of functionality that 2 that didn't have. That that's a big one, yeah. So th that filled the hole. But then again, you know, I'm I'm I have a soft spot for tune track and heaviosity product as well. So <laughs> a lot of times there's you know I I just have to get those because that's what's holding me back in my career if I don't get them. Right. And with yeah. that, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. Would you say that? Picking up something like Superior Drummer 3 or some massive form of VSL or the complete ultimate series from Native Instruments, is any of that stuff suddenly too many options? I think it is if you let it. And what I mean by that is if you're constantly searching for, let's say, let's use a compressor, mm -hmm. for example. If you don't have one or a couple of compressors that you're constantly using that you really, really know how to work, you might just sit there and second guess yourself. Oh, should I use an LA-2A? Should I use my stock plugin? Should I use a Focusrite? Should I use an 1176? Should I use Distressor type of a thing? Mm -hmm. I think when we're forced to make those or even back ourselves into a corner of thinking about, is this the right one? Is this the right one? it just stops us from working sometimes. Sure. Because there is too many options. And it's actually a good example you brought up with like complete because I don't know how many synths are in that. I 
don't have a count. And I do actually have complete ultimate collector's edition, which has a dish like everything, like the entire kitchen sink plus the bathtub and the entire condo. <laughs> right. So, and, and then also you have alchemy and you have all the logic stuff and several other things, right? There's, you know, one of those things that do you ever really need a new synth, right? Yeah. But the temptation is always there. Chances are that with just a handful of options sometimes, you already have what you need. It might just be that you need to just kind of dig in and get your fingers dirty with the gear that you have. Now, when something comes out and does something completely different and you see that as being a big part of your workflow, then that might be a good idea to get something new. You know, I'm dating myself here. I remember when I started and this whole notion of plugins was new. There was a lot of stuff coming out you hard and fast that were sort of breaking new ground in digital audio because you all of a sudden you could do things that you couldn't before. Sure. So there was a sense of, oh, I have to have that, or I have to have that, or I need to have that, right? That's when everybody was cracking their software and taking it anyway. Well, there was that too. That mindset, I think, can slow us down because we like to say, get to know the gear that you have all the way back to since like episode one, we've talked about that, knowing your gear. Sure. But it really is true. You know, I, I think option paralysis can really, really hit in when we have too many reverbs and too many delays or whatever it is. And I'm guilty of collecting like amp sims, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, you are. But, but I still have like two or three that I use pretty much all the time. Right. Do so, I need to buy new ones? No. Will I? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know? Of course so, you will. But it, yeah, it kind of goes I, the same way with hardware too. You know, I mentioned compressors definitely. and other things, but if we go into the realm of like guitar players or keyboard players or bass players or even drummers for that matter, I can think of one guitar player who is notorious for lots of foot pedals and even having a series of foot pedals, all distortion pedals, all the same distortion pedal running in series, six yeah. of them in a row just to get How a sound. You do? Yeah, <laughs> six fuzz faces in a row. Why would you do that? Well, there's a reason. And if you try it out, you're kind of like, oh, well, that's how he gets that sound. Aha, you can do things to experiment by having the same option multiple times, or you can get too many options to go on and like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? It's like keyboard players that have like eight synths stacked up on stage because each one has a particular sound. Why don't you just sample that shit, put it in main stage and take one controller? <laughs> yeah. I mean, live, I know having I multiple keyboards is different based on whether you're paying a baseline or chords or a piano or something. But when you start going beyond two, it's like, how many hands do you actually have? Yeah. I, I suppose in that case, you can make the argument that it's for ease of the performance where everything is already dialed up, that type of thing. But mm -hmm. let's use the example of guitar players, right? Let's say that you have, you have a Strat style guitar, you have a humbucking sort of like Les Paul type of guitar, and you might have a telly. Right, That gives you a pretty broad sound option of what you can accomplish with those. Right? Do you need another Strat? I don't know. 
do you really? Do you yeah. want one? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, know why you're getting it. I think you have to just kind of be, you know, honest with yourself right, while you're getting a piece of gear. Well, when you're talking yeah. about guitars, the reason why I've gotten multiple different guitars is every one of them is either a different make and model or they're made from different wood. Right. So there are sonic differences there. Very much and so. And then, of course, there are, you know, there are things as well. Like if we're talking about the live environment where you might have very similar guitars set up with different tunings and that type of thing. Just for ease of just grabbing this, this one is in dad-gad tuning, or this one is drop D, or this one is tuned down to C, right? And this is standard tuning. So it's for ease of that as well. There, again, that's done by a need. Yes. We need a need to do this, and uh, whether it is in the studio or not. A need to speed so, up workflow sometimes. A player like that, that has all those options to them is probably somebody that has been doing it for a minute, you know? But so the minutes. difference is that when you start out, you probably don't need to buy five guitars because you might want to use five different tunings. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> I know I people that do thing. that though. I, I mean, if you got the money, go for it, you know? Yeah. What do we call them? Like blues lawyers? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, I actually do know a blues lawyer. A good position to be in. Somebody would even argue that those are the kind of people that are keeping the the music industry afloat at the moment, certainly when it comes to gear. Sure. But So um, do you ever feel like it's like, ah, oh, if I just had this one piece of gear my entire life as a musical person, composer, producer, songwriter, what have you, would now be complete. Yes and no. <laughs> I certainly have felt that way before. I'm I'm no better than anybody else, and I'm not going to pretend that I am. Oh, I, I, come on. Yeah, I mean, I lost off the gear still. Now, I'm better with it this, these days because I, I've come to realize the error of my ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, there are th – sometimes there are – things out where it's like, oh my God, that looks amazing. What's the last piece of to... gear you did that with where you had to have it because it was going to change everything for the better? I'm not sure, but one of the, the last pieces of gear that I got that I felt like I need to have this. Hmm. I, I don't care if I'm going to use, but I need it. That, that was damaged too. Okay. So that was one of those. <laughs> I, I don't even care. It says heaviosity on it and I know I'm going to get heavy use out of it. Oh, no pun intended. Got but, it. Yeah. Uh, it was really difficult for me because one of my favorite composers, Charlie Clauser, yes. recently did a collaboration with another one of my favorite companies, Spitfire Audio, and they came out with a percussion library called Hammers. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, that's two of the things I love. You know? <laughs> uh, in terms of Hammers or in terms of Charlie and Spitfire? Charlie and Spitfire and heavy percussion and, okay. you know, Charlie doing the kind of stuff that he's known for, right? It had exactly that sound. So that was one of those things. But but I did restrain myself and I didn't pick it up because I knew that, dude, less than six months ago, you got damaged too. And this will be just another interface. So I'm sure it's absolutely fantastic. It wasn't going to change anything for me anyway. So, <laughs> so what, what about you, though? When was the last time you got something like that? The Native Instruments Complete 88, S88 Mark II. Yeah. But that was a massive upgrade to the previous controller that I had. 
Yeah, so th- that really did like fill massive, a function for you. Yeah, it wasn't it just like a major a, function. And it was one of yeah. those things is like, if I just had this piece of gear, things would be so much better with complete. And while I've not used it to its fullest potential, just based on space restrictions, right? I have certainly explored them and I can see the benefits of them from having this piece of gear. And I do plan on upgrading the space to actually make better use of it. I just haven't yeah. gotten there yet. Okay, so let's flip that coin. What piece of gear have you bought that just didn't end up getting the use that you envisioned it would? Sleigh bells. Sleigh bells? Yes. Turns out that Christmas albums don't. Yes. (laughs) You don't use them all through the year? No. I did buy some sleigh bells, and I do use them on rare occasions. Obviously, Mm -hmm. when Christmas music has come up, there's a need for it. And it is a perennial type thing. However, it's nothing they tend like to live sleigh bells, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They tend to sit unused for a long periods of time. But it, I mean, it wasn't a ridiculously expensive thing, and they don't take up a lot of space, so it's not that big a deal. Right. <sighs> yeah, sleigh bells. No, I, I, I've done that with. I'm not going to name names, but certainly with plugins and software, I've done that. This is looks awesome. I'm going to get that and. Yeah, turns out it wasn't so awesome. I'm never going to use it. You know? <laughs> uh, and it, but in all fairness, that that kind of comes down to a lot of times. I think just workflow, right? Right, where it's it, it just it never seems to find its way into your workflow when you reach for it all the time. Yeah, I would agree with you that. It, it definitely comes down to: Are you going to use it more than once? And with something like a sleigh bell, as the example I just gave, yeah, there's always going to be a chance that somebody's going to want some sleigh bells for something. Right, not. Every day, but something, somewhere, sometime. It was a worthwhile pickup. It was just, it just sits most of the time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But like you mentioned, it's not like you plonk down 1800 for a pair of sna- or for <laughs> some sleigh bells, you know, some. Right. And being that I'm not like a full-time drummer, I'm not going to go out and buy, say, a Black Beauty because I don't right. do that. So I, I think that the sort of like the overall idea with this and why I think we're talking about this because we can both from personal experience relate to the idea where we're surrounded by this barrage of great gear that is out there, whether in hardware or software form. And we have a tendency perhaps to conflate our own success with a certain piece of gear because that's what our heroes use. Sure. It's like, well, whoever, like Chris Lordalgy or Andrew Sheps or who else, that they use this. So if I just get this piece of gear, I'm going to sound as good as them, you know? <laughs> and I think that's what, what kind of goes on in our mind where we're like, oh, if I don't have this, I'm going to be, I'm shooting myself in the foot because my career would get further so much faster if I only had this piece of gear. Well, as but, they say, he who dies with the most musical toys wins, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, that's still the, the deal, right? <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's, you know, I, I think on the flip side of all this, to completely just turn my back on everything that I've said for the last half hour, it's like buying new gear is fun, though. It you know? is. It's like always looking for the new stuff and the shiny new toy. It's like, wow, this is great, you know? Sometimes it's just retail therapy. It is, yeah. <laughs> and of course, if you're dealing in hardware, there's you know a bigger chance that you can, you know, get a better return on investment. If you don't end up using it, you can just resell it, right? It's 
depending on the software, that can be a lot harder to do and, well, and yeah. a lot of times not worthwhile. Exactly. Thinking of that, why don't we boot into Friday Finds? Chris, what do you got? Now I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to back it up with, with two things. Okay. I have two Friday Finds this week. The first one is, <gasps> get a new compressor, the custom opto from Slate Audio. Yeehaw. Yeah, Slate Digital. And I've been playing around with it. And it is really cool. It, it has some new options on it, and they all sound a little bit different. You can actually adjust the speed of the release and things. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. You can adjust how hard it compresses. It's got, you know, it's a hot rod. It basically LA-2A. Right, nice. more options. So that is cool. Now, is that completely going to change my career? Of course it will, just like <laughs> any new piece of gear will. But that that came out this week, and I'm happy I got it. Thank you, Mr. Slate. Now, my other choice here is a little bit more real life, and that is Apogee have announced that for their ensemble range and the symphony range as well, I believe, are all now native Apple M1 chips. Uh -huh. So they're running natively on that. And I thought that was pretty cool. One more company on board kind of thing. So sure. th there's my twofer for this Friday. How about you? What, what you got? I'm going the route of the podcaster mm. in that if you are in need of a piece of studio gear that will allow you to look a little bit more like a gear collector without really collecting a lot of gear, there is a thing made by a place or a company called Tascam. It's called mm -hmm. the Mixcast 4, and it's meant specifically for podcasters. And the interesting thing about it is that it's awful lot like their original Porta 1, but it's geared at live streaming and podcasting instead of hmm. recording so much. So does it record or does it go to disc or? Essentially, it's a USB audio interface and it, has Bluetooth connectivity, and it allows you to record phone calls and or background music from devices that are paired on said Bluetooth devices. So, okay. But you can go 14 in, which is kind of nice, so you can have quite Goodness. a few people going on. Yeah. You can plug phones directly in, that kind of thing. So it's, it's like a mixed station of sorts to get yourself into your podcast or mm. your live stream kind of thing. And that's where we're going to. Got to end it with, with that. For my pick of this week, the Tascam Mixcast 4. Very cool. You yeah. sound very enthusiastic about it. I'm so enthused. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's how. Awesome. I think it's it's overture from the technical issues that I'm having. Anyway, while we have your attention, we would like to ask you to go to our website and sign up for the email list. At InsideTheRecordingStudio.com, you will get weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips that we put out every Tuesday, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. In addition to that, you get some presets from Chris and I for things such as compressors and EQs and such from Slate Digital and Universal Audio. If you send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word gear you'll get something back in your inbox. And if you have a topic of suggestion for us to explain in a future episode, hit us up on the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. And with that, 
I'll say see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody. 